Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. We're in a Christmas series. We talked about uh, the, the Magi last week, the wise men. And I'm going to take a few minutes and talk to you uh, briefly about the shepherds today. Excuse me, I got a little, I got a little sniffy. Um, you know who Mike Rowe is? You know the show Dirty Jobs? It's coming out with a new season in January, I just saw. It's going to be, they're going to restart the Dirty Job thing. Cheryl, met, you met him, didn't you? Like in, a, in an airport once? And so, uh, yeah, we like Mike Rowe. He, he, he would probably... Uh, if he lived back in the day of Jesus' birth, he would have probably gone on as a shepherd to show that dirty job because it's a dirty job. There's nothing glorious about being a shepherd. I've not had really, I know uh, Ryan on the farm had sheep. Ryan, how many head of sheep did you guys have? A couple hundred? hundred? What? 1,800 sheep. Yeah, so, uh, but... But like out in the countryside, if you've ever seen, you know, a pasture with sheep in it, kind of a beautiful thing. And there was a job back in the day where um, uh, there, a person stood out there in the field by themselves with nothing to do all day long except look at sheep. And this was who Jesus decided to uh, incarnate himself in the presence of these uh, in Bethlehem on that day 2,000 years ago dirty job, a messy job, uh, a very unclean job, religiously speaking. Um, the occupation was not um, a coveted occupation. No one said, oh, I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. That wasn't the deal. Uh, it was like, oh, I'm a shepherd, and maybe somewhat embarrassed about your occupation. The religious of the day didn't appreciate shepherds. In fact, it forbid them to come into the temple because they were just so ceremoniously unclean. The, the oral tradition, the Mishnah, the written down, the written oral tradition of the Jews really has some terrible things to say about shepherds, and we're going to talk about all of that. But they were unclean primarily because they hung around dead animals, and if you were around dead animals, around blood, around excrement, around the feces all the time, stepping in it, walking in it, out in the field, this was considered religiously, not, you, just, uh, you were just not unclean physically, oh, I got stuff on my shoe. But in a religious way, because you were around all that stuff, you were considered unclean. Remember the story of Jesus and the lepers. They had to go around saying they were unclean, unclean. Not, not because they were, uh, falls off my pulpit every week, doesn't it? Why is that? Because I kind of pound it and it rolls right off. And then somebody puts it back up and you're going to blow my candle out. All right. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Yes. Hallelujah. No, she's going to get a big head if you keep crap for her. <laughs> so the priests and the religious authorities banned them, and they branded them as misfits. But it was these very misfits who God chose to announce his birth. That makes me so happy. I don't know why. Maybe because we're all kind of a misfit in one way or another. And if you don't think you are, then you really are stuck up full of yourself and full of pride. Because we are all pretty messed up in one way or another. And uh, 
So here is these shepherds. Here are these shepherds out in the field. And the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Poof. I mean, talk about not having anything to look at out in the field. Now all of a sudden, an angel appears to you. Gabriel appears to you. And he tells you what's, what's happening. And then suddenly with the angel was a multitude, a plethos, the Greek word for plethora, a lot. There was a plethos. There was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and singing. So heaven's choir showed up. Boom. Kirk Franklin and the gang and the family. Bam. Out in heaven. Wow. Wow. I don't know how it sounded, but it's like stunning, I'm sure. And he appeared to shepherds, these misfits, who weren't even allowed to go in Jerusalem and into the temple, who legally, according to oral tradition, were not even allowed to go into court to, listen, they were not allowed to give a witness. They were not allowed to give a witness, to be a witness in a trial. Yet God chose these to be the first witnesses of his glory. Taking the despised, the rejected, the broken people and saying, you are not that broken. You are not despised. I love you. And I'm going to announce the birth of my son to you, you despised person. And I'm going to anoint you to be the herald, to be the evangel, to be the, the, the bringer of good news, even though the religious people of the day won't even allow you to step into a courtroom to be a witness. I am making you the very first witness. Yeah. <laughs> I like that about God. Here's the story. In a stable. In Luke chapter two, and there were shepherds. The word there is pastors. That's what shepherds are. There were shepherds living, living, living out in, <laughs> is it not a nine to five like the two sheepdogs on the cartoon back in the day? Remember those, uh, remember those two sheepdogs that watch sheep all day long? Somebody's gonna need to find me some tissues if you would, please. All right, so, so this is not a nine to five. They lived out in the field. Living out in the fields nearby, nearby what? Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I have been, thank you. Thank you, Becky. I have been to Bethlehem many times. I have been out in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And there are caves out there in which um, um, two things would happen. Number one, the shepherds would go there and they would find refuge. But also, many believe it was more of a cave that Mary and Joseph went into rather than some sort of stable. We don't know for sure, but we do know it was a manger. So they went out in the fields nearby, outside of Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel, and in earlier in the book of Luke chapter one, verse 19, he's identified as Gabriel appeared to them and the glory, the doxa, D-O-X-A, the Greek word where you have the, have the word like doxology. Have you ever heard doxology in kind of church language? It means to praise. Praise God from whom all, ever heard that? It's called the what? Doxology because the Greek word doxa means praise. Okay, I digress. Fun stuff. Appeared to them and the doxa of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified as I would be. 
And the angelos said to them, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, city of David is also known as Bethlehem, the house of bread, the house of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Hamashiach. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one that all the prophets have been talking about. All the way back to Genesis chapter three, the proto-evangel, the very beginning of time. He was slain from the beginning of the, of the world. He has now been born. And he is the Messiah, the Lord, verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You're going to go there, and when you do, you're going to find a baby wrapped in King James swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, whether it be wood, which we in the Midwest think a lot of when we think of that. However, not as much wood. You got a lot of olive wood there. You got some cypress there. But I've actually seen, my daughter has laid in um, a manger made of stone, just hewed out rock where they would put the, the, me, the, the food for the goats and the chickens, or not the chickens, but the, you know, cows, the other large animals. And so suddenly, verse 13, a great company, I told you what that meant, of the heavenly host appeared to the angel, praising God, pray, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, doxa to theos, praise to God, Theos, in the highest and on earth to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angelos, the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, I don't know what exactly that looked like, but in my Star Wars mindset, just the heavens opened and then they said, let's go. And I don't know, or they just. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds, the pastors said one to another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. I like that they did it right away, don't you? Hey, let's sleep on that. You know, it's a little late. Let's get up early tomorrow and we'll, we'll, we'll head into town. No, they said, we're going to do this right now. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, just like it was told them. Verse 17 when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were what? Amazed at what the pastors said to them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Why? Because she knew who he was, remember? Because Gabriel had come to her the chapter before and said, you're going to be with a child. You're going to name him Jesus because he's going to be a savior of the world. She knew all this going on. So here's a couple things I just want to take time now and, and point them out to you few takeaways for us today. Number one's found in verse number 15. When the angel had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened that the Lord has told us about. This impartation that he, the Lord brings to them, he imparts this knowledge to them. It demands, it precipitates participation. And what I mean by that is when God comes to you, it's always for a purpose. When God comes to you, it's always for a purpose. He doesn't come to just give you Holy Ghost. I, I've been in enough Holy Ghost Pentecostal service. You ever see somebody fall down in the spirit, getting slain in the spirit, some people call that. And some people can get distracted. Well, how come they fell down? 
That's the question I get asked. How come they fell down? And my stock answer is this. It's because they couldn't stand up. (laughs) But I've seen also, I've seen some people go down and then they just stand right back up. And I'm thinking, if God went to all this trouble to bring you to a place of total weakness, that you just fall out in the Lord and go to the carpet, why do you hop right back? Why don't you stay there till you get the revelation of why it is that he put you there? God, why, 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 am, why am I crying these tears just so I can cry tears? No, what, what, what are you doing in me that I can now, you brought this revelation for me to share with someone. Every impartation precipitates participation. The times in my life where God has shown up have only been important to me when I take the time to say, okay, God, what are you teaching me in this lesson? What am I supposed to know about this rather than, wow, wasn't that a good service? Or, wow, that was interesting. See, this is often a problem. I'll just tell you, this is often the problem. And I'm never going to get done with this sermon today. So just everybody relax. So, so, so what's going to happen is that God's going to come to you and unless you take a moment to put your phone away, to turn the radio down, to turn the TV off, to tell the kids, please be quiet, or you just go lock yourself in the bathroom so you can have a moment alone, a peace, and say, God, what are you talking to me about? What do you share? I've got these moments in my life that I can look back at as milestones and say, yeah, I remember God told me that, God told me that. But if you don't take time, when he brings impartation to meditate on it and say, what am I gonna do with this? Then we move to verse number 17. There's something larger, verse 17. So when they had seen him, they had this revelation. They got up, they went. Then when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. So now your responsibility is this. God comes and gives you a word. You process that word, and then you go share what God has told you. Well, you know, pastor, you've you've had that schooling and all of, listen, aren't you glad the angels didn't say, now here's this great news, but first you got to spend four years in your undergraduate degree at this Bible college. Then you got to spend three years getting, and then you got to spend four more. And no, he said, whatever you saw, go tell them what you saw. That's all you have to do. This is not complicated. The, the lowliest people on the planet in this, in this environment, the shepherds, I mean, if they had any education at all, they'd be in the temple. They would have had a good job. They'd have been whining and dining with the hoity hoys, right? No, this is the lowest. So this, is the, this is the micro dirty job, guys. Go home and smell that and go home. They're sleeping in the fields on rocks. So how, how could they be the very first evangelists? They didn't have the education. They didn't have the societal position. They didn't have the good looks. They didn't have the nice car and the white patent leather shoes and the pinky ring. That wasn't them. I mean, they were the, the grungy. They were the grungies. Not only that, they were looked down upon by everybody else. But when God brings a word to you that changes you, you got to tell somebody about it. This is what we learn. Well, in Christianese, we call it evangelism. That may scare you but it means to participate in the proclamation. In Acts chapter one, 
but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what reason? So you can go be a witness. So you can be a witness. Go tell somebody what God has done for you. It's so easy. Well, they're going to look down on me. You know, the society today, you know, Christians, listen, are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is what it's going to boil down to. And this is the shaking that's coming to the church today. If you haven't already felt it, you're going to have to figure this out sooner or later. Because if you don't stand up, you're going to get knocked right over. The world will bowl you over. They'll leave nothing standing in their wake. They have no, they have no, they have no parameters. They have no, they have no conscience when it comes to whatever it is that they want to achieve. And if you're standing in the way because you're a disciple of Christ, they're going to roll right over the top of you. So you have to do two things. You have to be as gentle as a, as a lamb, gentle as a dove, but you need to be as ferocious as a lion. If you don't see Christianity as something that is advancing, that is forth, forceful, where we have weaponry like shields and swords, then you've been sold a soft soap gospel where you're supposed to lay down and roll over like some sort of mat that people can wipe their feet on. That's not, how, that's not the Christianity that Jesus brought to this earth. Stand up. Be counted, be unashamed. And when they do persecute you, count it all joy, James says, whenever they persecute you for standing up for Jesus. Well, you know, I, what happens is you get older, you get more things, and then you have to protect the things that you get. How come those young kids are so zealous? Because they don't have a mortgage. So then what's more important, Jesus or your mortgage? Didn't he give you the house the first time? He'll take care of you. Don't the lilies of the field get dressed beautifully every day? Don't the sparrows have enough to eat? Don't the foxes have a place to sleep? He'll take care of you. Be prepared. Understand the consequences. They come to you and say, listen, you need to deny Christ or we're going to cut your tongue out. That's a reality in the world today. Not here in central Illinois. But go to central Iraq, go to Baghdad, go to Kuwait, go to some place where they don't like Christians at all. America palates Christians. They, they, they entertain, oh, oh, aren't they just, they're just cute. They're good people. But you start standing up and being a Christian, a Bible-believing, on-fire, spirit-filled Christian who loves Jesus, who is the ruler of your life, and who you check in with regularly to make sure that you're walking the right walk, that becomes very, very controversial and very threatening to someone who lives a total parallel universe, the bizarro world of Christianity. Oh, we're talking about shepherds. Sorry. Let's get back to this here in a second. So be a witness. That's where I lost you. Yeah, sorry. I'm back. Be a witness. Right? If you can't say, listen, hey, Merry Christmas. I'm saying Merry Christmas as much as I can say Merry Christmas. In Daniel, here's a guy. He was up against a bad, 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 bad to the bone king. He says, it's my pleasure, O king, to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High has performed for me. And it's for me. So this is, don't tell people what God has done for other people. That's not a testimony as much as, let me tell you what God has done for me. Because you can never unconvince a person with a testimony When somebody has a testimony, this is what God, I was there, I saw it. 
He did this for me. He saved my child. He brought my child back to life. He did this. He's my car, my house, my home, my job, my car, whatever. You have your story that God did for you. Tell somebody about that. That's our, that's our witness. And here's, here's Daniel in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, not a nice guy. He said, it's my pleasure to tell you about all the great things God's done for me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Back when we sang uh, worship choruses that were scripture, Psalm 107, verse two. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you don't do it, who's gonna do it? The rocks are prepared. The rocks are prepared to cry out. Impartation precips, precip, uh, precipitates. I really shouldn't have wrote, wrote it like that. It's too many, too many P's. Impartition per, 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 precipitates participation. Participation is proclamation that brings us to the end. Here it is, the result. Verse 18. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Everyone who heard the story was completely blown away. Doesn't say they believed it, but they were blown away. My responsibility is not to convince someone that my story is true. I know my story is true. I have no obligation. I have no, no, if you don't believe me, that's on you. But this is what happened to me. Do you understand what the power of a witness is? It's not you're trying to convert somebody. You need to believe this so I can feel better about my testimony or so I can put a notch in my spiritual gun handle that I led somebody to the Jesus. Foolishness, hogwash, forget about it. You're only to be the messenger. These, these shepherds, they didn't care whether anybody believed him or not. I just got to tell you why, because he told me to tell you. Now go into town and go tell everybody what you saw. So they returned, glorifying God, praising the Lord. It's our, it's our lifestyle. The shepherds returned, verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. Here's a trivia question. Where was the first New Testament worship service ever held? Right there. Right there. Out in the fields of Bethlehem. They returned glorifying and praising God. So what does this mean for you and me? Yeah, you can hear his voice. He speaks like he did to the shepherds. He wants you to proclaim the, the good news and he wants you to have a worship lifestyle. But first and foremost, Lexi sang about it, let us this morning, is that he is Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive. We had a friend from Israel call us just an hour ago. Just an hour ago. Hey, I heard there was bad weather in your area. How are you doing? I mean, they don't understand where Southern Illinois is, where I'm at. But a friend of ours for 20 years, good Jew, a good Jew. How you doing? Ransom captive, Israel. Therefore, Isaiah 7, the Lord himself will give you a sign and the virgin will be with a child and will give birth a son and you will call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. That's what the name means. So in Matthew, we've alluded to it. It says this, verse 20 of chapter one. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to Joseph, this is Mary's husband or, or uh, fiance, said to David, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, which I just read to you, their virgin will be with a child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, with means God with us. God is no respecter of persons. You don't have to be smarter. Whatever God has told you to do, whatever God has told you to be, and whatever God has called you to say, you do not need to do anything else before you start that. There's no pre-qualifiers. Well, I am unqualified. What he does, however, is qualify the unqualified. I'm not smart enough. Join the club. I'm not wealthy. And I, I, there's no way I could. God just told me to go do something that I don't have the money to do. Begin the process to get it done and God will take care of it. He's waiting for you. I mean, God told Peter, come on, step out of the boat. We would have never had the rest of that story if Peter wouldn't have first st st stood up and stepped over the gunwale of the boat. Rather than make a list of all the reasons you can't do what he's telling you to do. Well, I feel like God's calling me to go into the ministry. Well, do it. I feel God's calling me to be a missionary. Do it. Start the process right now. Immediately, they got up and they went looking for the baby. And when they saw it, boy, they had a testimony, didn't they? The overlooked, the dirty, the unclean, the poor, the downtrodden, the outcast, the nobodies, the misfits. Shepherds were despised in every life. In general, they were considered second class and untrustworthy. This is by Dr. Jerakim Jeremias, a theologian from a couple centuries ago. I found this interesting. Shepherds were despised in every life. In general, they were considered second class and untrustworthy. While some were respectable, most shepherds earned their poor reputations as a cruel stereotype. The religious leaders of Jesus' day maligned shepherds. Rabbis even banned them from pasturing their sheep and their goats in Israel. They had to be on the nearby desert plains. The, the Mishnah, which I've already referred to, says one passage, they call, shepherds are called incompetent and quote, no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. That's pretty low class citizenry. I mean, oh, how are, oh, you're a shepherd. I'm not even gonna dig you out of the hole that you fell into. Smug religious leaders of the day maintain a strict caste system Shepherds were officially labeled as sinners, a technical term that was despised. He goes on to say, to buy wool, milk, a lamb, or a goat from a shepherd was forbidden. For on the assumption, it would be stolen property. He's so poor, he doesn't even own a goat or a sheep. He's watching other people's. So if he tries to sell you milk, it's stolen milk. This is, this is who Jesus, this is who God revealed himself to, those people. The homeless guy with the tattoos all over his face. Don't you, I looked at that guy that died in that dumpster this week. And I read some of the comments in the SJR by people that don't know Jesus. Well, he looks like a pervert. He looks like this and he's a, probably a scumbag anyway. No, he was a homeless man. He was a homeless man 
who for some reason put tattoos on his face and couldn't stay in a place after seven o'clock at, couldn't get into a place after seven o'clock in the morning or got kicked out at seven o'clock in the morning. I don't know, but he was sleeping in a dumpster and waste management came, picked him up and crushed him to death because they didn't know he was in there. You did not see this story? Yes, it happened in this city. Oh, the homeless, oh, the homeless. Every winter, when will we stop and do something about it? Just wait. You see somebody like that? Listen, (laughs) those are the very type of people God chooses to announce son, the birth of his son Jesus to. How dare we look down on anybody? The first witness, (laughs) because he is the lamb of God, being identified by shepherds, and where were shepherds sent? To a stable where they would feel comfortable. I mean, I don't know what the modern day equivalent of that is. Some alcoholic. Say, hey, come to the bar. This woman had a baby in the back room. This is our story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. All the day long. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I mean, if I was a religious leader of the day, I would have been pretty ticked. I mean, come on, we've got credibility here. God, you're doing this all wrong. How many have like given directions to God, right? God, that's not the way I would do it. He goes, exactly. On hearing this, Mark 2, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And so here's the good news. Splendid sinners, lovable losers, fantastic failures, magnificent misfits, we all are. And until you realize that you are a worm and a wretch without the grace of God on your life, you will always miss the mark with your pride and arrogance. This is why pride comes before the fall and God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A nobody who God made a somebody because of his goodness. So we wear the term as a badge of honor, the magnificent misfits. See what happens for all of us is we get lured into societal pressures. We get lured into, well, this is the way everyone's doing it and so I should do it and I should go, no, God has given you a standard, keep your standard. Well, then I'll stand out and you know, the nail that sticks up gets hit. Yes, it does. It also, they also get crucified. But who are you living for? See, I'm talking about the reality of the gospel, not some mumbo jumbo Sunday school, Jesus loves me, let's all be happy and clappy. I'm talking about putting your faith on the line. Stand up for something. Draw a line. Because you know how they get you to cross the line? They come up to the point of resistance in your life until you object and then they back off. And then they come right up a little bit past it and then they back off. 
Then they let you, then they come right up a little bit more. And over time, you've lost your, you've lost your mooring. You've lost your anchor. You've lost what it is that you stand for. Draw a line, stand the line, know that God has told you that is that, and, and do not bend. Do not bow. Take a stand. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody needs to stand up in their home or in their family and say, you know what? God is the God of our home. God is the God of this place. Well, I'm nobody. <laughs> you don't have to be anybody. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Do I need to go on? Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Do I need to go on? David had, was, had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was depressed and suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow and Job went bankrupt and lost everything. Do I need to go on? Why do we have these names? It's because they, 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 were, they drew a line. They said, I'm gonna love God. I'm gonna serve God. No one will get me to back up from that. And so that is a list of magnificent misfits. And my plea is that you would join the list. Whatever, whatever your life is, Alan, Deb, Mike, Lori, Big Jim, Nick, Cheryl. I mean, what are you gonna be remembered for? Think about these kids. When mom and dad, mom and dad, when you're gone, what will they remember about you? How worn will your Bible be? What will you have stood for? What would you have been willing to die for? These are the important questions of life. This is why we gather on Sunday mornings to remember the one who died for you so that you might live. Stand with me today, please. Lord Jesus, thank you for the story of these magnificent misfits, these outcasts of society. <laughs> May we, Lord, be strong and courageous. May we put our faith only in you. We thank you for our government. We thank you for our leaders. We thank you for our jobs. We thank you for our homes. We appreciate all of that, but we don't trust in that. We don't trust in that. Lord calls you to trust in no one except him. My trust is in the name of the Lord. Because everything else will fail you. You start trusting your family. You start trusting the economy. You start trusting the government. Don't trust in those. They're all gonna fall. They're all gonna fail. But you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him, Emmanuel, God with us. And he'll direct your paths. If that's your hope and if that's your desire, to stand in faith with Christ, raise your hand with me this morning as a sign. Father, we stand here. Maybe it's the first time you've raised your hand. That's great. No one's looking around. No one's pointing at anybody. We're just admitting that we're broken and needing you. Lead us. Lead on, O King Eternal. Lead on. Show us the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And then when the enemy comes to bring sickness, disaster, bankruptcy, death, we will not shrink back, but we will stand all the more tall 
and saying, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground, sinking sand. So today, at this Christmas tide, we say yes to you, yes to your word, yes to your lordship in our lives. We are broken, but with you we are made whole. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.